Howdy, howdy. Welcome to today's episode of Man, We're Too Old for This on the Nerd Journal Network. With us today, the Todd Father, the experience that some call Jason, and the token shakeup, Tarky. Our genuine friend, CDL103, is once again battling with his own demons within his body, unfortunately. <laughs> Made it sound like a drug habit. I know, which is why I had it. He's, he's having surgery today. Yeah. So, get well soon. Our hearts go out to your cold metal body. That's true. He's a faithful droid. Yep, that we never remember the name of. But anyway, I'd like to kick the show off by congratulating a horror film that came out recently by a little title named Us. Had an amazing box office opening weekend. I believe it was 29 mil. Uh, did For the weekend, did 70, 70.1. Like, yeah. Oh, sorry, I think opening day was 29. Yeah. Opening day opening was weekend 29. was, yeah. Which has put it at the top of the list for the opening weekend for an original film. So not an adaptation of anything else, just something that just came out as a film. Or a sequel. Or, or yeah, or a sequel. Which means it has beaten Avatar in that. And it's the, <clears throat> I want to say it's the highest ranked film for a film with a black female lead. It took that one, dude. Because, you know, Lupita's the star of that thing. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was sitting here thinking, how much competition would it have? That's even close to that level, to the level it made. Yeah. Like yeah. I said, that's... But it broke, it broke a record. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know yeah. what, I don't know what the number, I don't know what the number one was before that, truthfully. But now there's a record that's respectably high. Yeah. Yeah, 70... Seventy million dollars ain't nothing to sneeze at. No. Mm-mm. But the reason I'm hosting today, as I'm neglecting my duties wildly, is because I had two big questions for my two special boys. <laughs> that sounded mega creepy. You did. You yeah, did. that sounded weird as shit. Thank you. Like that Catholic priest creepy. But okay. First question is about one of Todd's favorite things: the Black Panther movie. <laughs> Oh, you didn't go with Jason first? I thought Jason was oh, I'm sorry, would you like me to go with Jason Yeah, first? go with Jason first. Alright, I'll go with Jason first. I think his will be longer. Yeah, because the question about Black Panther would probably be a yes yeah, or no. Yeah, and... probably quick. Yeah. But it's to help me, because I'm uneducated. But we'll go back to my other question about the thing I'm uneducated about with Jason. So you've played some Dungeons and Dragons. A little bit, a little bit. For, played, for, for a little while. You've played multiple different versions mm-hmm. throughout your years of life. I have probably been playing for decades now. Yeah, but I, I didn't want to, like, call you out. Oh, okay. He won't call you old on this show that says you're old. No need to double down on it. And KFC don't even do that anymore. I couldn't drive when he did. I missed that. I wanted, I wanted to have one anyway. But I've always had a question because I've played 3.5 and a little bit of 5th edition. I skipped over fourth for some reason. It sucked, that's why. Oh, a lot okay. of people skipped over it. The company lost massive market shares over fifth, over fourth edition. Which is why fifth edition came out so soon? Uh, It didn't come out super, super soon. Oh, okay, it, was, it wasn't a big... But it was a little up. bit earlier than usual, yeah. Okay. Fourth edition didn't quite have as many expansions before fifth edition came out. Yeah. All right. Well, the thing is, going from 3.5... 
to five, I noticed like there's a slight drop in how many things I had to stat up and how much math I have to do for everything. It became slightly more light in rules. And as someone who's never played, you know, original, advanced, second edition, all that, I've been told horror stories about all the kinds of crazy math you had to do for those. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm, since you've played multiple, I was wondering if it has been a, a kind of just a traditional thing of it slowly downgrading how much. When you go back to the original version, or as close to the original version as I've ever played, which was a box set called Basic Dungeons & Dragons, which is essentially a reprint of the original. I don't know if they tweaked the rules or, you know, or what was to it. Going from that one to Advanced Dungeons & Dragons 2nd Edition, which is the first version that I actually played, you had a step up in complexity because in that original version, you did not have character classes and character races. You just had your class. So if you were an elf, that was a class. If you were a dwarf, that was a class. You know, the elves were basically your... Ranger? They were a... Kind of. They were a combination spellcaster fighter. Oh, okay. Where the dwarves were a fighter with some special abilities dealing with being underground and... And whatnot. It was much more focused on kind of the generics of a fantasy setting as far as characters... Yeah. Kind of like, all elves are this, all dwarves are this. Essentially. So when they went to advanced, that's when they broke the races and classes apart. Uh, Which, to be fair, when you put advanced in front of the title, it being more complex, does it, yeah. it comes yeah. to the territory. Yeah, I forget exactly what the changes were going from first to second. Never, I've never played first edition hmm. advanced. Though I had some of the books. But, uh... You know, I know they changed up the number of races, and I know in the second edition they brought in something called Thaco, which was to, it stood for to hit armor class zero. And what that was, wasn't really a change in the rules as to for, for how you hit somebody, so much as it was a shortcut to make it easier to figure. You know, you're doing the same math, but by having the Thaco figure, you could up or down it from there. Real easy. Whereas in the previous version, you had had basically a chart, a little graph you consulted to see what would hit, what would hit or what would not. They basically went from you having a big graph to a slide rule, basically. But it was something you could do. You could do mental real easy. Hmm. You know, this minus seven hits Thaco. Yeah, basically. Okay. But uh, so going from there. Oh, another complication there was certain races could only reach a certain level in certain classes. Oh. You know, humans had unlimited potential in everything. Okay. Where elves, I think, mages maxed out at level nine. Or they, they may have been a little bit higher. Maybe somebody else had maxed out at nine. I forget. Some races could not be certain classes. I don't think you could have dwarven mages. You know, I'd have to go look to remember the specifics. But there, there were limitations based on your character and race. Mm-hmm. Uh, class and race. Some of that may have gone away or gotten toned down in the second edition. But you also lost, like, half-orcs. Those were no longer a playable race in the second edition. 
They brought them back in third. Third simplified a lot of things. The biggest thing being, if you had a plus to something, you added that number. In all the previous editions, pluses were subtracted. Which made the math not harder, but just harder to look at. Less intuitive. Yeah. It, would, it, would, it was easier to get confused. There's a higher learning curve on it. Mm-hmm. Which makes it seem more difficult, so less likely to get into it. And one thing you had going from first to second in AD&D was proficiency. They added proficiencies. Which was them kind of going, you know, all these other games that have come out have, like, skills for their characters. So proficiencies kind of covered that, but it wasn't really something you rolled. You either kind of knew it or didn't know it. And I think you were making maybe stat checks, rolls versus your stats or something. But it It was a very clunky system that truthfully did not work well. But it didn't have as much competition as you would have today. Right. Uh, you had some, but D&D was so well established, it was the one that you could find anywhere. Yeah. You know, anywhere that was going to have any kind of RPG was going to have D&D stuff. It was the one that had commercials and comic books. Mm-hmm. As opposed to RuneQuest, which was a better system in some ways, you know. It handled a lot of stuff better. And that and the system is still around. Call of Cthulhu is a popular game that still uses essentially the RuneQuest system. Or I think they call the system uh, uh, Chaosium Basic Roleplaying. Because it was the Chaosium company that, that mm. did it. <clears throat> but yeah, by the time you got to second edition, by the time you got in where I was playing, D&D was coasting on its previous success. It was super clunky compared to a lot of systems. It had an untold buttload of books. Which isn't bad, except so many of them brought in new optional rules. It, it got, due to the fact of so many expansions, so much new content that may have kind of bent old or slapped on top, it built a monument of things you had to mm-hmm. run through to make and sure not that all, everything you know, worked. And not all the play balance was not always good. You know, I I was sick to death and had basically sworn off running it by the time 3.0 would come out. And like I said, 3.0 greatly simplified things. You had one thing they one big thing in it was you had just the basic mechanic. You rolled the d20. And you added a number, trying to reach a difficulty class, or if it was combat, an armor class. Mm. But those two things were essentially the same thing. You had a number you had to hit, you rolled your dice, and you added what you added to it. If it was a skill, you added your skill, skill ranks, plus your stat bonus. If it was combat, it was your stat bonus plus your uh, base base attack bonus, which varied depending on your class. But this one introduced the... Roll a 20, add to it, you either succeed or you fail. Right. And that's essentially how you... There, you know, there's more things that add to it for oddball things like yeah. wrestling or whatnot. But, but that was a basic mechanic that handled everything. You know, your saves worked that way. Where before, with your stats, you had all this archaic stuff you had to figure out that went down next to it. You know, your save versus death and... I forget, it, there was 50, 11, something on each stat. It, it cut down on the book work a lot. 
which also made it more applicable to a wider audience. Yeah, because you could get younger people to play it now. And they and did the open. Sense. They did the open gaming license on it, so anybody could do compatible games, which really caused the gaming industry to kind of be revitalized. Because you get all kinds of small publishers now that could take it and run with it. Yeah, I mean, here's our story. It runs on D and D, right? And sometimes it was just cookie. Sometimes it was just here's our setting or here's our add-ons for D and D, and then sometimes here's our separate rule system. You had one called Spycraft that was modern day action movie kind of things. You had uh, they also did the Stargate game. Uh, Steve Kennison over it with the uh, Green Ronin Publishing took it and heavily altered certain things and did Mutants and Masterminds, which is a superhero game. That has been running for years. Now they're they're in their third edition now. Now the the one that felt like they had rushed it was three point five. Rushed it in as far as three hadn't been out all that long, because AD and D second edition had been around forever. And it was well, just thinking about it from the standpoint of open gaming license, they may have done they may have rushed because people were making really nice games off their system and they went, oh, we need to make sure we're still the stable top dog. Throw something out here. But Might have been. And but continue. There were some balance issues they were trying to adjust that I was always kind of up in the air whether they really needed that much fixing. But uh, overall, 3.5 was, was a slight improvement, but essentially the same system. Uh, when they went to 4th, I've only played 4th a couple of times. They tried to simplify it, and they dumped it down to the point that everybody was sitting there going, it feels like they tried to make a computer MMO into a board game. And I won't say nobody liked it, but sales fell through the floor, and a company called Paizo that had been doing a setting called Pathfinder, just using the 3.5 rules, they basically looked around and went, hmm, Nobody likes this current version of D&D. Everybody still wants to play 3.5. So they took 3.5, did a little tweaking. A little bit and, of cleanup. And did just the game Pathfinder. Or some people would refer to it as 3.75. <laughs> and it took... Everything you liked about 3.5 was still in there. But things like combat maneuvers, each of them... In 3.5, it all worked. You know, if you're trying to trip somebody or grapple somebody. They had worked similarly, but it was slightly different rules for each of them. Paizo just came up with the combat maneuver defense and combat maneuver check. I forget what it was called. Yeah, it was two more little stats that went down there, but it was just, it, but this was the number you rolled to try to pull the maneuver out, and that was your defense against it, and everybody had one. And then, like, like I said, I haven't played much fourth. And then 5th edition came along. And I don't know if it simplified things more than 4th, or if it was just as simple, but it was the look and feel and the style of play felt like classic D&D while being, for people like me, super simple. Uh, I quickly swore off ever running Pathfinder again because 5th edition was just so much easier to run. You know, if you were if you were the guy having to come up with everything. Now to play it, 
I can play fifth or pathfinder. I don't really have a preference there. And that's what they were trying. They were trying to make fifth edition an entry level game. Here's a good game to introduce people to the hobby. Period. And they really succeeded at that. Uh, I think they. I think they're the top dog again. Yeah, you know, I think they've overtaken Pathfinder. Because Pathfinder, during the 4th edition era, yeah, Pathfinder had been kicking their ass. Hmm. So to answer your question, once you get past the AD&Ds, yes, they've been getting simpler and easier to easier to do kind of with each edition. But they're still fun, you still enjoy them. Yeah, 5th edition has simplified things without making it feel like you're out you don't have as many options. You know, it's it, they have never dumbed it down to the point where you feel like you are a ch- you know a child should be playing this instead of you or something like that. Maybe maybe fourth edition, but yeah. yeah. But let's back it up. Those older editions were very you know a bit math intensive, a bit mm. a lot of check your graph, check your rules, check the numbers. You know, make sure everything adds up, not just roll a dice, go with it. Yeah, kind of yeah. stuff. Do you? How much of the history do you know for it? Like, it's development and creation, if any. I know it came... I know you'd had war games before that. D&D really descends from a war game called Chainmail. That was medieval... You know, it was a medieval war game. I can't remember if Chainmail is the one where they added in the fantasy stuff. Or if they had, or if the fantasy stuff was a supplement for it. And then you had a couple of guys... Uh, Gary Gygax and I think Anderson was the other guy's last name. But they basically got together and had the idea of, well, instead of running fantasy armies, what if we did a game where you ran an individual character? Hmm. And then they sat down, they cooked up, you know, the the first edition of Dungeons and Dragons, which was still basically purely a combat game. Uh. You could role-play with it. There were storylines and some of the role-playing, but there were no real rules, mechanics for role-playing anything. You know, you didn't get any You didn't get any experience for role-play encounters. You got experience for what you killed, how much gold you looted. You got... You got it was, once again, the numbers you put in give you numbers you put out. Yeah. And one thing to remember, though, is this was back in the 70s, early, or mid-70s, mid to late 70s. I think D&D is older than me, but it ain't much older than me. So you did not have decades of other games to look at when you were designing something. You didn't have classes that you could go to at a college for game design that you have now. So, you know, what they did was impressive. But you look back at it now... 40 years, 40 some odd wow. years later, and that early stuff just looks so clunky. Well, it's kind of funny because it sounds a lot like they just went, hey, yeah, people play fantasy football, right? Because it was a lot of put numbers in, take numbers out, which is a lot of what fantasy football is. I have no idea how old fantasy football is. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know quite, but like a lot of it sound, seems like it was two people who really like math going with the system, and then as time went on, they went, okay, we need to make this a little more accessible. All right, we need to make this a little more accessible. 
Well, it was different folks working on each edition, too. Because yeah. Gygax hung around for a while, but they screwed the other guy. When they did AD&D, they refused to credit the other guy. Now, he had not worked on AD&D, but they were basing, you know, it was all based off yeah. some of his work. But they claimed it wasn't. And that lawsuit and legal finagling went on until 3rd edition. When Wizards of the Coast, the guys that do Magic, yeah. the Gathering, when they bought TSR, the company that did D&D, when they bought them out, one of the first things they did was go settle with that guy, and his name has been in every D&D book since. Which really is the smart move. Yeah. And it, and it earned them some... some uh, Credibility? Credibility with fans. Okay. I was just curious because only I played 3.5, and seeing some of 5th, I went, oh, this seems a little bit softer on the math, a little mm-hmm. bit mm-hmm. more fluid. So I was wondering if it was just a, a a smooth transition of more fluid, more fluid, easily acceptable. I knew 4th had an issue. I knew it was a bump. I was wondering if it was the only real roadblock, the real drop. Yeah, and as far as the complexity goes, I think it was simpler than the previous edition. I think that was still mm-hmm. going more rules light. Or I hesitate to say rules light because D and D isn't exactly rules light. It's just easier. Maybe the rules are simpler. Well, how many rules affect you at one point in time became less and less. That's true. They got rid of a lot of the well. This gives you a plus this, and this gives you a plus that, and they brought in the advantage disadvantage yeah. mechanic. Kind of said, this is a general rule that affects multiple things, so you don't have 17 rules to think about at all mm, times. Mm. You only have two or three rules that complain effect. But all right, thank you. That was you know informative as someone who knows very little about it. Yep, yep. Todd, you feel prepped and ready? Sure, go for it. All right. <clears throat> so this is the thing like I thought about with Black Panther way after Black Panther because it's not something that would ever that really ever pops up in my head. It's about race. Okay. So, I know a lot of African Americans, you know, due to the transfer slave trade, got here, generations pass. But I know a lot of them have talked about how their racial identity kind of got erased. Family histories kind of got lost to the tides. You don't know as much, you know, about back home. You know, ancestry and everything. With Black Panther's Wakanda being such a mix, kind of an amalgam of different sections of Africa put into one country, mm-hmm. do you think that helps supplement super heavy on people identifying with Wakanda, despite the fact that their personal history, their you know their personal ancestry, they're not real sure about in Africa, but with Wakanda they just kind of go, some of me is in there and I know it. Yeah, probably. All right. Yeah, it, it's... Uh, well, I know you've talked to more people about it and talked, you know... Well, not about this specifically, but with, you know, the movie. In general, you have talked to more people about the movie. Well, what... Yeah. They truthfully could have put... The fact that they used actual... Countries in Wakanda helps, but the thing is, when you don't have anything, it's easy to glom on to anything. Yeah. Yeah, if I got nothing, something's better than nothing. Uh, the movie truthfully was in its complexity shows the relationship between Africans and African Americans because there's there's a divide there. Hmm. Yeah, 
they call us, a lot of them call us a kana, which means wild animal, because we don't have, we don't have a history. You know, we can't go, I'm come from this and this, and I'm the son of this, just like in my own personal thing. Hell, I found out that, like, Holland's not, the name, my last name of Holland really ain't but, like, a couple of three generations old. We were Harrisons up until then, but the person got sold, and the new master changed our name to Holland. It's, it, I mean, it's, it doesn't go past, it doesn't go past, hell, was it my great-grandfather? I'm literally the third one, third generation of them. So when you come from shifting sand, you know, that's kind of a thing. Now, one thing that the movie did show is adversity strengthens. Because while we may not have a history that we can really fall back on, growing up in hell makes you tough. And you see that in Killmonger. Killmonger beat the hell out of T'Challa. Because Killmonger grew up in a fucking Oakland, orphaned, where T'Challa grew up with a silver spoon in his mouth, and when it came time to throw hands, yeah, it wasn't close. Despite the fact that T'Challa had been trained to do that his entire life. Yeah, if you notice, Killmonger goes through him like, he's talking crap as he goes through him. If there, was never, there was never any doubt how that fight was going to go. And that's... I, I can reflect on my time in college when uh, when I've had I was working at a bookstore and I had a co- couple of co-workers one guy was from Africa other one was African American and they were kind of going at it because he had started the you know you don't have no people you don't you don't have a history you don't have this and the dude snapped and went off on him was like yeah but I can beat your ass because I've gone through some things. Don't get don't get so high on your high horse because you're the only group of people I ever heard of that you could have that many people stolen from you and you'd send so much as a canoe to try and rescue somebody. So there's every now and then you'll have you'll have some conflict there. Hmm. Yeah. You know, it was like I said, the the movie was interesting. It it it, it hit on a whole hell of a lot of stuff past just oh it's superhero movie hmm. it, it it meant different things to I think depending on who was watching it the reason that popped up I'd, I'd watched a, a comedy show where someone had mentioned you know family history to a black character and they went uh, I don't you know he had mentioned you know do the fact that slave trade yeah is is you know his great great grandmother knew but then she didn't write it down so they didn't know anymore and it made me think to yeah, and it, 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 it that's that's kind of the trick is is people these days especially tend to want to look at the slave trade stuff like that as or racism as oh they just don't like you. There's a group of people that don't like you. No, there's some there's some destruction there, you know. When it's you don't know where you come from, you don't know who your people are. Uh, my dad worked with a guy that his grandfather was a slave that was on a breeding farm because after it became illegal to bring to, to bring to people buy. from Africa to make them slaves, yeah, they just start breeding them like puppies. And you know, it's and it wasn't a it wasn't a choice of who you had sex with. This 
this guy in particular, his grandfather had had the whip marks on his back where they brought him a girl that was obviously too young and they tried to like act like they did and he got caught. But yeah, you know, you have things where yeah, you know, you know, your family history tends to run into a brick wall pretty damn quick. I've got pictures like on my mom's side of a lady that, you know, was slavery. And another thing is people want to act like slavery was a million years ago. Nah, it it ended in in uh eighteen sixty five. My youngest grandmother was born in 1919. It ain't that far away. It just simply is not that far away. Like I said, my last name is different, but I'm only the third one to carry. I'm only the third generation to carry. I found that out talking to uh, a cousin of mine, and we were talking family histories and stuff like that. And yeah, she was like, "Oh yeah, you know that? Yeah, it's, it's this last name. Yeah, it ain't." <laughs> Some dude came up with that and yeah. made us have it. Yeah, yeah. And like I said, it was actually back far enough to hell she could tell us what it was before. And let's be honest, that ain't her last name either. I don't know how long that one. I don't know how long the fam- family carried that one. Truthfully, because that's that's just something like I I can't even really imagine it. Just based because such thing is never. The thought never occurred to me until, you know, I saw someone else mention it. But yeah. It's also why you'll see a hell of a lot of black people in time travel shit. That's <laughs> <coughs> a concern. It's a, you know... That was one thing I did like in Doctor Who when they had Martha. Yeah. you you They did a little something with, with Doctor Who and then that NBC show Timeless, the guy was kind of... He, he addressed it like, yeah, there's some places I ain't going. You know, as opposed to the Legend of Tomorrow thing where they go back in the 50s and, you know, the black guy's dating a white girl. And it's like, what the? F- yeah, right. Oh, yeah, go off with the white girl by yourself for a date. What's the worst thing that could happen? Mm, hey, what up- city are That we was in? our joke the first season, was how often they left him in places yeah. where he should be getting lynched, historically speaking. Yeah. Hey, where are we at? Oh, it's Talapusa. Hey, no, I'm going to stay inside the time machine. Yeah. <laughs> Well, hell, it, but they did the like in the Captain America movie where they just chose to ignore it. Yeah, isn't that a black member of Hydra? Yeah, isn't Hydra basically neo Nazis. Yeah. Okay, just check. <laughs> help us help. Frankly, that's what they called them. Hey, how better to act like we're not Nazis than to have black members? Oh no, clearly I cannot be a Nazi or a white supremacist because I have a black friend. Because. Number 41, that, come here. Because <laughs> that counts. He's not my 41st black friend. That's way too many. Oh, hell. But, no, no, no. Let's not go crazy. No, he just doesn't have a name. We gave him a number. You know, it's like the opposite of Finn in Star Wars. He started off with a number and then some white dude just gave him a name. Yep. Which was my father's thing, yeah, when he finally saw that. <laughs> he glommed onto that part immediately. Yep. Yeah. What in the hell was this? Uh, yes. They named him like a damn slave or dog or something. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Don't worry, that's not the only 
stereotypically racist thing is going to happen to him in this film. Don't worry, it gets, don't worry, it gets better. <laughs> Not better, I mean worse, because he's a janitor. Yeah. And he runs away from everything. Yep. He was cowardly. He was a Except when his white girl is threatened. Yeah. Loves him some white women, though. Black gripping it. <laughs> but alright. I'm going to go ahead and cut it there before something odd happens. And we've... Those two questions actually got... The whole damn show. Yeah, it was more out of it than I thought I'd get. And, you know, I got information and sad. I'm very empathetic and, like, there's nothing I can do about what happened and it makes me sad. But this has been, man, we're too old for this on the Nerd Eternal Network. We've also transferred to YouTube. Please like and subscribe. Please. Look at you banging. Like and subscribe because the damn show is cool, damn it. Can I have I've more seen, likes, please? I've seen some of the things that you like. They suck. They do. They, 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 there's some weird stuff on there. <laughs> there's some, so that's there's some weird stuff on there that has a lot of likes yeah, and views. It's, it's like, got oh. a hell of a lot of subscribers, and you sit there looking. All right, calm down, calm down. Like, sucks. Sorry, we're old. We let's not, what we yeah, do. yeah. But let's not start starting fights for no reason. Despite the fact that it gets you more views. Ooh, we can start a beef. Hell yeah. Yeah, but beef with who? Yeah, I don't know. Because that's the thing is, I I kind watch I watch the Linus Tech Tip guys a lot. And I, th- I think we could take most of them in a fight. <laughs> but there's like two dozen of them, so we'd have to go in there ninja style yeah, one Danny, at a time. Danny's got a bad kidney. I don't think he could take a punch. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> well, it might help him out in the long run, though. Break it up. You disable him right there, but maybe to shake that sucker loose. Anyway, it's been us. Talk to you later. Bye.